Hi, this is Daniel from Jellic, and you're listening to Between the Ladies. The Ladies are two educators on a journey to learn, share, and apply effective literacy practices. The podcast is part of their professional learning network for conversations to support, scale, and sustain literacy in the classrooms. Hi, this is Tracy Doe. And I'm Ashley McGrath, and you're listening to Between Between the the Ladies. Ladies. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Ashley. How are you? Awesome. Yes. We are here in the district office. Yes, for our second episode for our um, fall series on Readerly Lives, and we have a special guest. We have our superintendent, Dr. Julie Mitchell. Yay! Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me today. And we have to compliment Dr. Mitchell on her outfit today. She's <laughs> rocking BTL pink today. Amazing look on her. Amazing there you look. Go. Pink's, pink's one of my colors. Yay! So, today, Dr. Mitchell was uh, nice enough to give us some a few minutes of her time and share her experiences as a reader. So, we're going to ask you, um, as a child, what were you like in terms of reading? So in terms of reading, I do not, um, I don't remember having a strong opinion one way or another as it relates to reading. Um, I don't recall being um, read to Mm -hmm. um, as a child very much. Um, I did not struggle with reading, but I also didn't have a relationship with reading. So I read Mm -hmm. in school um, Mm -hmm. as teachers had assigned reading. Um, I would skim books and kind of flip pages and so forth. I recall in elementary school and maybe in middle school years needing to keep reading logs, but I don't remember reading. Um, (laughs) You had reading logs, but you didn't read? I think I might have read. I think I read. They were filled out. I think I read, but I don't remember. Um, I think some of the the earlier books that I remember um, was uh, were like Judy Bloom books mm-hmm. and so forth and, and really beginning to enjoy reading yeah. um, and, and living some other experiences or, or kind of a peek into somebody else's life through, through reading. Um, but I really didn't embrace reading until I was in college. Was there a book in college that made you like just... What do you say, think changed? I, yeah, what made you change? You know, I, I'm not... I think exposure. Uh-huh. I think exposure... Um, Uh, helped to change that and it was a lot of expository reading that I did in college rather than novels Um, and so it really was reading to learn Mm -hmm. so I don't remember myself learning to read Mm -hmm. but as I as I more so like I said in college um, reading to learn and and really being fairly voracious in reading um, non-fictional expository text um, in you know history social science government some of those types of things um and, and, and law, uh, and just being really hungry for some of that content. So was it because you weren't exposed to those type, that, that type of genre in, in your high school years, for example, that maybe yeah, that's why? Yeah, it, it could have been. It could have also been, I, I recall, you know, lectures and professors lecturing in college and thinking, well, how, how do they know all this? Like, right. where did all this information come mm-hmm. from? And so then trying to, I would go to speaker series and listen to different things and go, well, I, I want to know more. Mm-hmm. So there would be different things that would happen, different world events or different um, historical events and so forth, and I'd want to know more about it. And so then I would read. Wow. So it sounds like 
your childhood growing up, you were more of like a compliant reader. You were read out of compliance, but not really out of joy until you were in college. And then being having the opportunity to learn more about law and that kind of work, mm-hmm. that's what really piqued your interest. That's interesting. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, and just thinking about how a lot of our students are dormant readers, mm-hmm. as, as Donald right. and Miller mm-hmm. calls right. them. So. We still have those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And now as an adult, I am a very voracious mm-hmm. reader. I read constantly. Um, I'm always reading two books at the same time. Okay. I'm reading one for um, professional learning, and then I'm reading one for just pleasure, just complete escape. Um, and I get very into both books, um, but I enjoy reading the pleasure books just right. in terms of, you know, live, you know, the characters and see what's happening and kind of explore. I, um, I've been reading some John Patterson books, the um, series. I'm on the 18th book in a series that he's written. Oh, wow. um, well, Dr. Just... Mitchell, that's like really hardcore. <laughs> I think well, you're a big fan. <laughs> well, so, well, and it's interesting because that's not really a genre that I would normally read, mm-hmm. um, but I, I enjoy it. And so I, you know, take it and I have, when I'm, have downtime I enjoy to read mm-hmm. enjoy reading and then I also like I said I read a lot of books um, for work and for learning mm-hmm. around education and leadership and a variety of different topics so when I hear people read multiple books at one time how does that work because I can't do that I have to stick to one book and finish it so well, how does that work <laughs> it doesn't they're very different completely mm-hmm. different topics um, and so that's the only reason it works for me. Like I, I don't enjoy. Well, I also like to finish books, and I very rarely abandon a book. Right. Very rarely. Mm-hmm. Like I, if I've started it, it's got to get better. Like if you're reading a book mm-hmm. and it's a little dry or it's not really piquing your interest, it has to get better. Well, then I'm invested, and so I'm a hundred <laughs> pages or two hundred pages or whatever. Might as well. <laughs> I might as well finish it. Like I don't abandon them. Yeah. Um, and so. Um, if there is a book that I'm reading that's not necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily piquing my interest, then I might finish the other one first and then go back, go back. and finish. Um, but because the content is so different um, and the and my mood when I'm reading it is very different, mm-hmm. so whether you know if I've had a day where I you know I, I'm full professionally and so I just need yeah. to escape, then I'll read that book and then um, the other in terms of, of continued my learning. So. They, they don't. Um, they, they don't go they, together. They don't go together, and so therefore I can separate the two. Um, and I think probably liken it to, um, you're able to read a, a textbook at the same time you're able to read a novel for pleasure mm-hmm. as a student. So yeah, okay. probably very you know, much the same. So told me once they were like, well, Ashley, you know, have you ever like watched a TV show like every Monday and you watch a TV show every Thursday? Do you get the storylines mixed up? But then, you know, oh, I don't okay, watch yeah. TV because I, like, I don't have TV in my house. Yeah. But, um, you know. <laughs> I don't watch TV. Yeah. So. I was like, ah, I kind of get what you're saying, you know. So, but you don't get the storylines mixed up. So, readers who read multiple books at the same time is kind of like that. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm the type of reader who I can only read one book at the same at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I will sit there and I'll read, like, the whole thing. Cover to cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the other way. thing I don't do is reread books. Like, my children all reread books mm-hmm. over and over. They will pick and off. Mm-hmm. There's... There's so many books. Why are we rereading this one? And they've enjoyed it so much. They want to read to it again. see more the next time. Yeah, Starbucks. Starbucks. And so they they do. They'll pick them up and read them again. And there are some now professional books that if I haven't read them for a while, I'll mm-hmm. pick it up for because it is new learning. Mm-hmm. But pleasure books um, for just recreational reading. 
Well, there's so many to choose from. I, I don't know if I need to read that. <laughs> yeah, so. options are at its yeah. maximum. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, yeah. how do you think your readerly experience has influenced, like, your parenting? So tremendously. So I, I have three children, mm-hmm. um, and all three of them are very voracious readers. They read for pleasure a lot. So oftentimes, um, you know, you have to tell student or your children to get off the phone or away from the television or, or you know, the electronics or whatnot. My children all um, do that. They do all of those things as well. <laughs> but also. Um, but also have to tell them, you know, that they have to go to bed, that they, mm-hmm. they all read before they go to bed by choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my youngest is just started as a freshman in high school. Um, but with my oldest daughter, um, she uh, learned to read easily. So she was not, um, she did not struggle in the areas of learning to read. And it was very fascinating to me as an early a young teacher, watching as I was trained as a secondary teacher. So watching an a emergent reader mm-hmm. learn to read, it was a fascinating experience. Um, and then, but we always encouraged her to read and we would go to the bookstore. And so she would, if you finished the book, then we'd go to the bookstore and we could buy a new book. Mm-hmm. And she had, you know, the, the, these fairy books and these different mm-hmm. things that she would go. And so we would go, and it became often, we were at the bookstore often. Um, <laughs> and so then we had to get to the library more and checking out books and so forth. For my uh, middle daughter, my middle child, um, she struggled as a reader. And so I watched her um, with all of her pre-reading skills going into kindergarten, phonemic awareness and so forth. But then as she was coming, going into first grade, struggling, so she exited kindergarten with not able to blend her sounds, mm-hmm. not necessarily having the comprehension of what she'd read, etc. And then being able, then first grade continued to struggle. And so second grade, I intervened and um, ended up um, working with her myself and um, t- with supportive teachers, of course, and support of many of my colleagues mm-hmm. um, because, again, they had to help me help her, um, but teaching her to read. Um, and within six months' time, she had made up those, those gaps and those um, deficits that she had and then being able to really, truly have a love of reading, and that has continued on. And so she is, a, like I said, a very voracious reader um, and loves loves reading. And then my son took to reading very easily, and so the, it's very common. We have reading buddies at home where everybody <laughs> gets shut off, and they, we all break out our stuff. And we all do together? Buddies all together. Yeah, so the oldest daughter is not so much into the reading buddies, but even now, my son, who is a freshman, will say, can we still do reading buddies? Sure. So I have my book, and he has his book, and then we read. When they were younger, they would tell me what they were mm-hmm. reading, and we would talk about the content in the book and so that I knew that, that they had comprehension and so forth as to what they'd read. <laughs> but it's, so it's been great. That's awesome. What was that experience like for you, for your, for your middle, middle daughter? To, like, would you come home every day after school and then, like, what Work was that experience her. like for you and mm-hmm. for her, too? Mm-hmm. So she, I, it was very intentional for me uh, working with her that she um, um, knew that we were there to support her. But she didn't, she didn't know until she was over the hump that she struggled with reading. So she, I would work with her every day. We would do reading buddies. That that might be where that started. I don't know. But we would do reading buddies um, and where she would read to me and I would read to her and so forth. And there were very distinct 
areas of deficit that she had. Mm -hmm. And so we would purposefully address and work on those particular areas. We would do running records. Um, <laughs> at home. At home. Oh, wow, Dr. Our, Mitchell. I would do <laughs> running serious. records with her every Saturday. We would do a running record um, in the morning. That was kind of our time that we would go together. And so she, we, it, you know, was all um, in play instead mm -hmm. of in, and so she, she was fine. Um, even when we would do some of it, she was, she was helping me to learn. So, you know, I need some help. Can you be my student? And can we work through this together and so forth? And then she shored up, like I said, shored up those deficits and then absolutely soared with multiple grade levels in a single year That's awesome. in terms of looking at what her reading ability was. So for me, I'm thinking as you're telling a story, how you're supporting your daughter mm -hmm. at home. And it's because you have that background yes. to be able to do yeah. so. And yes. I think about so many of our families, they want to help their children. Yep. How can we as educators support the families to support the children at home? And that's been right. like my, I, I think about that a lot. Like how can we support our families to support them at home rather than give them a to-do sheet. This is what mm -hmm. you do. But they actually have to learn those strategies that mm -hmm. teachers actually use too. How so. can we give families yeah. that access and that privilege that we as teachers have? Mm -hmm. and, and I think about my, my daughter Clara, right? she's only two, but it makes me think a lot about, you know, at home and how much we read with Clara now and how different that was from my own experience. Mm -hmm. And just, I don't know, having my daughter, I think so often about how much access and privilege that our family has now mm -hmm. um, and how different that can be for a lot of families. Yeah. Well, just even in our experience, like when my oldest daughter was learning to read, we, we literally would go to the bookstore mm -hmm. because she wanted to be able to keep the book mm -hmm. and it was very painful for her to return the book <laughs> yeah. to the library. Mm -hmm. And that was a way to encourage and for her to see growth by the, her library growing um, in the house. Um, and there's a, that, that's definitely a privilege to mm -hmm. be able to go and purchase the book. Yeah. Um, and, and that was even something that we had to say, hey, Tonka, like, we're going to the library You're going now. broke now. Yeah, we're going to the library. <laughs> yeah. You're going broke, Dr. Mitchell. Is, yeah, so, um, and, and going to the library is still a part of what we do together mm -hmm. as, as a family. Um, and she still goes as a senior with you so, all? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, any chance to get books. Yeah, we go to the library. So that was so the oldest daughter was the one that got to go to the bookstore all the time. Uh. And the senior in high school <laughs> is the one um, but the, the but all of all of three of them we'll, we will go to the library. That's awesome. Um, and you know we just we just went two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. and so they pick out a, a whole stack of books and <laughs> I love they go it. home and they read and then return them and bring them back. So reading has a, a very prominent place in our house. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because my husband is not a voracious reader. He'll read on a he'll read a magazine or he'll read um, online. It used to be the newspaper, but he reads <laughs> online, um, and he'll read in a, a books very occasionally. But the the rest of us mm -hmm. all, are always reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I hear a lot of book ownership, which is directly correlated to having a positive reading identity, um, access to books from the library, mm -hmm. the bookstore, and then, but I think the fam like the family sacred time of reading, that's really special. I mm -hmm. think when families value reading, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it makes a difference. So. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But I think the idea that, um, Tracy, that you mentioned about how do we support our parents, and you know, and Ashley, mm -hmm. you had said it as well, that as, as an educator, um, I recognized that um, no, folks, I, I had the opportunity because I had the resources. Right. I was trained, like I said, as a secondary teacher. So the early literacy piece of it, I didn't have as oh, a teacher okay. in my teacher training. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn that. 
but I was surrounded by colleagues mm -hmm. who could teach that to mm -hmm. me and I knew questions to ask and and had some ability due to my own resources to my profession to be able to do that where a lot of our parents do not have that um, and so as an educator my emphasis is just making sure that our parents are reading to their children in any language. Mm -hmm. um, if they're comfortable in Spanish or Chinese or Vietnamese, whatever their comfort is, read. Um, and showing that love of books and showing mm -hmm. the love of reading and modeling that, that um, for their children and allowing their children, taking them to the library. And, and we do a lot of work in our district with getting our students library cards and access to right. books and so forth so that they're able to see that there is this whole world out there that's in print. And then working with um, our, our teaching colleagues with being able to make sure that we have are teaching the students the skills to be able to read mm -hmm. um, and so supporting supporting our parents in every way that we can so that they're able to model and to foster that love even if they don't have the technical skills they can have the enthusiasm we should add that to our um, family workshop planning document okay <laughs> Keep it. got it <laughs> note it um, final question for you as superintendent of our district what do you have as your um, vision for Readerly Lives in our district, in our community? So I think my the, the biggest, um, largest overarching vision that I have is a love of reading. Mm -hmm. And so for, for many students, um, reading is an arduous task. And I think that is um, so sad that how do we create the opportunity for students to find the love of reading? Um, and I am a strong advocate for allowing students to read what interests them. Mm -hmm. um, and if it is below their level, above their level, at their level, if it interests them, let them read it, let mm. them explore it, let them awesome. try. Um, and I am also um, a strong, um, I'm in strong opposition to using reading in, as any sort of consequence or punishment. So sometimes um, we may find ourselves frustrated or we may find ourselves in a situation where um, we use reading as a consequence. And um, I um, would ask that no one do that um, because <laughs> it is, it then it makes reading punitive yes. and reading isn't right. punitive. And so there's lots of ways to address um, if somebody perhaps hasn't read or address behavior or to address things in a way that other than having students read um, as a consequence or as a punitive um, Right, measure. so you're saying like, you didn't turn your homework in today, you're gonna miss recess and you're gonna go to room five and you're gonna read. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Right, or you know, the, the students were too talkative today and so they have to, they have to read now mm -hmm. instead of um, being Joining able to do art or right. whatever, whatever the activity is. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's a lot of it is in framing um, because we could frame, yes, students are going to read. And so this is such an exciting time. Look at that. We've carved out an extra 20 minutes. You have time to read. Please, I want someone to come read to me. So you can make it a joyous experience for students or you can make it a painful experience. And reading should always be joyful and joyous so that we are like really connecting to the positive side of students' um, identity as readers. And then encouraging them as readers that um, if students not ever saying, well, you can't read this because it's below your level, or you can't read this because it's above your level, or, oh, don't read that book because you, you can't read that. Mm -hmm. Well, they, they can read some of it. 
Um, they can look at the pictures. If mm-hmm. there are pictures in it, they can try. Um, and so always having that perspective of encouraging. Um, and I think it's so exciting in our district now how we are dramatically expanding classroom libraries to give, students, yes. <laughs> to give students exposure to a variety of different books and to have um, the opportunity for students to be able to see that there are, um, there are choices. Yeah. So sometimes we're, we only know what someone has potentially assigned to us or given to us. But look at, the, look at the bookcases and the bookshelves that we have across the district in our classrooms. And students have the opportunity to find things that, that meet their interests or work for them or think that they think it will. And if it doesn't, they can choose something else. They might not have the same issues with abandoning a book like I do. So <laughs> they can choose something else. So uh, it's, it's exciting. One of the things I was just out, um, actually, I was just a Jellic this week yes. visiting and um, reminded myself that I need to um, carry, a, carry a book and have an opportunity yeah. so when students are reading in the class that I can join in and oh, read a few of my yeah, own pages. That's awesome. So That'd be great. So, yeah. Yeah. So I had, I borrowed Yes Day because <laughs> it was a Yes Day for me. A yes, yes Day! day. Yes. So I um. So that was the book I carried when I walked through Jellic yesterday. <laughs> I wonder where she got it from. I wonder, I wonder where I got that. Wait, did you lead it from Jellic? She got it from Jellic. That's the book that I gave to you? Did I put one in the office? Yes, the one from the office. <laughs> That's what I gave to you. Yes. I borrowed it yesterday. Thank you. <laughs> it's actually uh, on JJTV. It talks about it. Oh, so. I can't wait to watch. There you go. That was yeah. my that was my prop. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Dr. Mitchell. I think... The- the fa- my favorite thing that you said today was how we as teachers can use intentional language to support and foster joy mm-hmm. in reading. Mm-hmm. I really like that piece. And how re- reading is, like, on that same line, very rewarding. That itself is rewarding. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much thank for joining so much. us on Between the Ladies today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Hope you had fun. I absolutely did, yes. <laughs> okay. And as a token of our appreciation, oh, yes. we, we would like to, to present you with... Ooh, drum roll, drum Ready? roll. Ready? Your a button. button. Thank you. Have a super and look, it matches. Yes. It's yes. Oh, it's so attractive. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Between Between the the Ladies. Ladies.